Drink it in, man. Deep left side carry on. Picks up a block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Drink it in, man. Get up, Stafford throws. It is end zone. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on, everybody? We are back, and we're just not back, but Grifka is back. Grifka, what's going on, buddy? Back on the show. Hey, hey, man, it's good to be back. Even with this uh, fridge weather, man, it's good to be back. Definitely. I got to kick you out sometimes so that people get a break from you, but uh, it's good to have you back, and we're excited uh, to be back here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. So normally we're jumping into news and notes. We got a couple things to talk about before uh, – it's going to be a fun one, Griffith. It's going to be a good podcast. We're talking about that uh, Lions-Patriots game. I know we had to suffer through the Jets and the uh, San Francisco rewind, but here we are with this Patriots game. So we should have some fun to talk about it today. Um, great win by the Lions. Yeah. So first thing on my news and notes is uh, I got Senior Bowl. Senior Bowl just happened this past weekend. Uh, Kool-Aid drinkers, I know you're going to kill me. I know I kind of promised you uh, – a senior bowl podcast last weekend. I mean, life got in the way, got busy and it was so soon after the senior bowl. I didn't get really a chance to watch it the way I wanted and digest it. So, um, I need to go back and, uh, not only dive into it a little bit deeper, but I'm going to definitely bring you that show where I kind of just focus on what I saw from the practices and the game as well as, um, some draft talks. So the hope is to uh, get that out this, this weekend. I promise you that's going to be my goal. And uh, should be some some good podcast listening there. So, Grifka, did you watch the Senior Bowl? Do you have any brief thoughts on it? Um, I watched a little of it. Um, it's one of those things where so many names. I mean, I do watch a lot of college football, but that game has a lot of players in. Uh, uh, I, I don't recognize, to be honest with you. Um, and uh, it's kind of like uh, it's really basic offenses and stuff like that. So, you know, like you said, if you're watching it, you're watching it maybe for like one or two guys. Uh, a couple guys I, I kind of I want I really want to watch, um, other than you know Kron Higdon because he went to Michigan. You know I'm a big Michigan fan. See if that could translate somewhere into the pros. I know he wouldn't you know really be for the Lions, but watching it because he went to Michigan. And one guy I was, I'm kind of interested in, um, based on this we can you know talk about this in a little draft time was uh, was that Montez Sweat, the guy who started out at Michigan State, ended up transferring to Mississippi State. Might be one of those guys that uh, if the Lions trade out of the eighth pick, you know somewhere like maybe the middle of the first. He'd be a guy I'd be interested in, so I I want to watch him because that's been some of the chatter that you know Lions thinking about trading down, just don't know where. But that would be um I think he may be a little too high for him. 
for the eighth pick. I, I don't know if he's that good. So I really want to watch him because, um, you know, what we always talk about, Lions needed a pass rusher. Um, he could fit that bill if it was a little farther down in the first round. Um, it seemed like he had a decent game. Um, you know, like I said, he just, you split time with a lot of guys at those things, but reading about him during the week and it's, it seemed like he had some good practices, but uh, that's the, the kind of the few guys I was watching for. But like I said, they're not in there all that often because they're trying to get so many guys in the game. So you really can't have a hard time focusing just on, you know, one or two guys. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Um, you know, I get about 15 to 20 some names I want to talk about on the uh, the podcast when I do it, just of people that I had on my radar that I either liked or disliked, and then also some new names that popped up on me. I mean, just real quick here on the opening, like I thought, you know, this Andy Isabella got a lot of talk about uh, his crazy production at UMass, little receiver, you know, definitely has that Wes Welker type of feel. Um, you know, I really liked and was blown away by them talking about this guy's speed being such a speedy guy. But when I watched him in the game, I mean, he seemed to have some speed and some shiftiness, but he definitely had some drops and things when I watched it. But to me, he's a guy that should be on like your <clears throat> late second, third type radar, um, third round type radar is like a guy that could definitely be that underneath shifty receiver that the Lions, you know, really need in their offense. So, you know, I liked him. Another guy I didn't know much about, but I had, I had seen he's decently highly rated, but I really liked what I saw at the Senior Bowl was um, Rocky Asin Grifka from Temple. I mean, this this guy at corner was D'ing up with Debo Samuel uh, all week long. And, uh, I mean, this guy competes. He was always after the football. To me, this is a guy that maybe you can get in that second, maybe even in the third round there. Um, as a as a corner if you don't take the corner up top so I liked what I saw from him and uh, like you say these tight ends I'm just trying to work my way through these tight ends as far as uh, I think it's Caleb Wilson I want to say out of UCLA he really had some crazy college production and has the size and the measurables so I'm intrigued by him because you could probably get him much later and me and you have always talked about getting a tight end later as a better option than taking one high but I do think they need to kind of look at that position so I thought those were some some main spots I mean again the the pass rushers I mean you brought up Montez Sweat he's getting a lot of love and a lot of like he's been in some mock drafts to the Lions I mean he did show out well at the senior bowl but he didn't do anything that made me want to take him at eight or in the mid first round. But I mean, I don't doubt his talent, but I know he's had some off the field issues and things as well. So I'm kind of leaning against him at this point, but we'll kind of see how it shakes out in the draft process. Like I say, I got a bunch of other names here, but without running them all down here um, on the show, I'll do that on the separate show that I do. And like you say, we'll be talking much more about it as we get into draft season. But I thought it was great. I mean, I love the senior bowl practices. I love seeing all the stuff that came out about it. It's just getting those draft juices flowing before we get to the combine. I thought it was good stuff. So much more to come on that for you Kool-Aid drinkers. I'm going to break it all down. So um, next item I had, Grifka, was the Lions actually signed a new quarterbacks coach. Your boy, uh, George Godsey, who I'm sure you wanted as the offensive coordinator, is headed to Miami with uh, that Patriot group and coaches that are heading down there with the uh, the new Pats defensive coordinator that will be uh, the head coach in Miami. New quarterbacks coach, I think it's Stafford 
third coach in four years, Sean Ryan, coming from Houston. Uh, you know anything about this guy, Grifka, or you uh, got any takes on this? Um, I I don't know a whole lot about him. I was kind of surprised that uh, you know he was he was the guy. Um, it's it's not a name. I I thought that uh, you know uh, when it was first going down that even though they hired uh, you know Bevel as the uh, offense coordinator that Godsey would stay and still be the uh, quarterbacks coach. But then like you said, then he left and they picked up Ryan really quick. So. I haven't had a whole lot of time to read and check up on this guy to really get his background. So, I, you know, I guess I'm indifferent to the to the signing right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think you got to look into it a little bit more. I mean, I don't think it's a huge deal either way. It's not like, you know, the quarterback coach makes the quarterback or has, you know, his hands all over the offense. But, I mean, Matt Stafford has to be better, so – it probably all comes down to like not only what this guy's track record is, but how is he going to get along with number nine? You know, is is he going to drive them? Are they going to be buddies? Is he going to be in the middle? Like, you know, they need to work together well. But I think we've talked before about how you need to get after this guy. He's got to be better. No excuses, you know, type of thing. So I I saw a picture of him and just knowing that he was in Houston with Deshaun Watson and before that when they had just terrible quarterback play, like it doesn't jump off the page to me. But again, if he works well with Matt Pat and, uh, you know, is is on board with everything he's trying to do, then, you know, again, I support it. But um, real quick, you brought up the offensive coordinator. Like there's definitely been some Detroit Kool-Aid flowing with that. Like I know me and you supported it from the get-go, but the more I hear about it, you know, people are just – starting to really get in love with Daryl Bevel, you know, oh, he's great in the run game, and oh, he was he was touted by these other teams now. There's reports coming out. There was like two or three other teams that he was getting considered by, and oh, he he really was great with the offensive line. That's why he blew him away in the interview of how he was going to block things up and, and work the run game and the play-action game. So I don't know if you've been hearing that, but I've really been hearing lots of people that were either on the fence or negative are now saying, hey, this might be a great hire, you know, especially because he's not one of these 20-somethings that's getting their first shot as offensive coordinator. Like this guy's called played for 12 years. He's won at the highest level, and he's been pretty consistent. It's not like he was a terrible coordinator and then really good and then terrible and then really good. He kind of like was pretty good throughout his career and has had some really high points with the Super Bowl. And then, of course, like most coaches, towards the end, he wasn't that good, and that's why he got let go. But uh, you hearing that as well? Yeah, I'm uh, reading that and hearing that, um, like you said. And, I mean, that's a good thing. Maybe the guy knows – you know, knows, knows what he is. I mean, you always hear that, you know, guys are just trying to make their way up and, you know, get, I mean, maybe that's a lot of people's goal ultimately is to become head coach. Maybe this guy just wants to be an offense coordinator. And I mean, you heard my take on what happened out in Seattle, you know, what happened, oh, it wasn't that great. There, I, I think a big part of it was that that offensive line was, that offensive line was terrible. So it really couldn't do what he wanted to do. So, you know, if he's a, maybe he's not out there to, you know, set the world on fire and have, you know, like all these, you know, the greatest show on turf. And if Matt Pat wants to be the guy to run ball control offense, but still be able to, you know, where teams are like, you know, gearing up to stop the run where they can, you know, kind of chuck the ball around the field because they got Stafford out there to do that. I I believe Bevel's the guy to do that. The one thing that did kind of disturb me, though, was reading that they lines that also talked to Charlie Weiss about the offense coordinating position. I don't know if you saw that as well, but, uh, 
Um, I know Charlie Weiss was, you know, big in, you know, New England, you know, it, you know, early on out there, he um, had to, had a good offense. And then he went to Notre Dame, really scuffled there after a couple of years, ended up at Kansas and looked really, really bad there. So that was one of those guys that when I read that, I was, I was kind of relieved that they didn't go with him. I, I don't know what the talks were, if Charlie Weiss wasn't interested or something like that, but I, I don't know if it was one of those things since Charlie Weiss kind of, you know, worked with Belichick, kind of knew what he liked to do. That was they just gave him a call, or if that was distinct interest, I wasn't quite sure on that. But there was a bit of relief when, uh, you know, I, you know, it turned out that you know nothing became of that. Yeah, I guess I'm with you, but I also think that it was kind of neat to see the Lions outside the box and go grab somebody that was kind of off people's radar, but had a track record of success. Because, I mean. Charlie Weiss was always good as an offensive coordinator. It's just when he went as a head coach in Notre Dame, he was just like a fish out of water. And and then he kind of disappeared from the NFL. He's been gone for a while. But when people have been gone for a while, I'm always either like they're gone for a while for a reason or maybe they've been gone for a while and they've been watching from a different perspective and are, are geared up to really, um, you know, do something new and kind of reinvent themselves or kind of – people forgot about them so they're not easily scouted all that type of stuff so you know i wouldn't have been as excited about charlie weiss as i'm interested and excited about bevel but both would have been intriguing because they weren't the names or people that we were thinking about but you can't say that they haven't been been good especially in this type of system so um you know we'll see how it all shakes out i just think too like i said the kool-aid is flowing because we're in the off season but it's all going to come down to what they do on sundays you know is he going to have a good run game with carry on is he going to be able to play action throw the ball down the field and get points on the board or are we going to struggle and be conservative i think that's all what it comes down to it but sean ryan quarterback coach i mean gosh please get matt stafford back on track whatever you got to do get in his get on top of them or uh, from a, a pushing him perspective, or like you say, if he needs to be positive and, you know, told how great he is, whatever you got to do to get this guy playing like 2011, 2012 ish again, please do it, do it fast. Um, <clears throat> so last item we have Grifka rumor and innuendo about the lions draft plans after the senior bowl from reporters. You hear any of the stuff from Jeff Risden or some of these guys that were down there after uh, senior bowl, some of the stuff they said about what the lions might do in the draft or what they think about different positions. You hear any of this? Um, no, not really. Actually, I've been just reading like a whole lot of mock drafts that the NFL guys have been having so far. And, like you said, one of them has come through with Montez Sweat. Another guy's come through with the tight end TJ Hawkinson from Iowa. Um, I would be very disappointed with that one. But um, not a whole lot from the guys that were down there. I, I, I will admit I haven't seen a whole lot of that. All right. Well, I'll give you a little bit of what I remember. But first of all, um, you threw out a couple mocks. So I got I already gave my clip take on Sweat. I mean, let me calm your fears with TJ Hawkinson because he's not going, you know, up in the eight range but he's a heck of a football player. This guy is like, if we could get him in the second round or like trade down a couple times and get to the lower end of the first, you got to consider this guy. I mean, he's a beast in the blocking game. <clears throat> he can catch um, shifty and good run after the catch. Just kind of like, if you look at him or he's a football player, he's like a little, ah, I don't want to say a little gronk, but when I watched a little bit of him, I was like, man, this guy, is the exact type of tight end the Lions want, which is not a, just a fancy pass catcher and not a, you know, 
on a height, weight, speed guy. This guy's just a meat and potatoes, Iowa football player that would be great. So he's totally on my radar. It's just, when can you get him? you know, hopefully later. And then just like you said, where, how much are they going to value the tight end moving forward? But don't sell Hawkins in short, but yeah, Daniel Jeremiah, one of my favorites, put him at eight. Are you kidding me? Anyway, I'll get more into it. Draft senior bowl, free agency, all that stuff coming up soon. Um, but here's what I heard on after Griff. I heard from Risden. He said he'd be shocked if the lions take a corner at the top of the draft or at eight, he said he'd be absolutely shocked. So that was surprising to hear. He also put out there that he talked to some sources and they feel like the lions are much more comfortable and much more in favor with their offensive line than the fans are. You know, we're all like worrying about Rick Wagner and what TJ Lang's going to do and this, that, and the other. He seemed to think from who we talked to that there's a plan for that offensive line. They feel really good about Crosby. So depending on what happens to TJ or in free agency, it feels like they have a plan to get Crosby a lot of looks. So that was interesting to hear. And I lean more that way too. I mean, I wasn't happy with our blocking, but I feel like they put so many resources into it. You have to make it work with or without TJ Lang. But um, so that came out and then that was some of those sentiments were seconded by like a national writer who then threw a little more gas on the fire and said that he feels it's a pretty good chance the Lions will go offense in round one. Like to me, that meant a trade back or two that they would do it. But, you know, there's not really anybody I'm seeing at eight that makes a ton of sense offensively. But if you trade back a couple times, yeah, I've already said on the show that I would not be against an offensive skill player. I take the top off the defense type of receiver, even a tight end lower in round one, or, you know, I don't think there's any running backs there, but there are a couple top flight receivers that could go in that mid to late first round that could help this team. So that's what I'm hearing, man. That's, that's the rumor innuendo coming out of the senior bowl. What do you think about that? Um, I don't know. I, like I said, I guess it depends on what happens with free agency, what they're looking to sign, and maybe they're not happy with, you know, some of those guys, you know, at eight, you know, thinking either they need somebody a little bigger, you know, like a Bosa or something like that, but they're not going to trade up to get him. But um, like you said, maybe Sweat doesn't, you know, fit at the number eight spot for him down a little farther, and. Yeah, I, Hawkinson, like you said, I guess it depends on where they fall. If they do trade back a couple times, get them somewhere in, you know, the mid to late 20s or something like that, yeah, I'd be okay with that. But uh, I can't see the guy, you know, tight end at eight. I just, I, I don't like that. So, yeah, if you're putting my mind at ease, I can live with that. But uh, I, I wouldn't be looking at a running back in the first round. But if they're ha- happy with the offensive line, I guess you can mark that off the list. Um was it the, the wide receiver out of Arizona State? I'm seeing that a lot as well. Was it the Nikhil Harris, I believe his name is? Um, Nikhil Harry, yeah. Yeah, Nikhil Harry, yeah. That guy, I mean, because he's I, – I saw him play against Michigan State, and he looked uh, on, he looked pretty good, um, actually really good, and he's quick, and he's a guy who can uh, – um, he seemed to get open a lot. So I, I could see him probably somewhere in like the – you know, the middle of the first round, if that's the way the Lions would go. Um, once again, I know we've talked about this before. I think there's bigger needs on this team than wide receiver. But if they're looking for an offensive skill position to give Matt Stafford another weapon, yeah, I could live with it. But 
like I said, I, I think there's bigger needs on this team than than a wide receiver. And we know the tight end position wasn't that, you know, wasn't that great. But, uh, you know, if they're looking mid to late 20, yeah, I could live with the tight end at that point. Oh, man, Grifka, you're getting all my draft juices going. So before we dive in the Patriots, I just want to say a couple quick things. You know, to me, Nikhil Harry, he's kind of a, a late one, two type guy. I mean, he could go in the first round, but I – I wouldn't take him there. Plus, I don't think he fits the Lions. I mean, unless we were to trade Marvin Jones. If you trade Marvin Jones, and yeah, you'd be looking for that number one big freak type receiver, which like him, DK Metcalf for right now is probably going to be my number one receiver on the board. And then, you know, he's projected to go in the first round. But, I mean, a perfect guy for the Lions for me is if you're going to go late first round is if they could get their hands on Hollywood Brown, this guy that has absolute speed scores big touchdowns, you know, almost like our Brandon cooks type of player, or, you know, you wait to that second, third round and get one of these shifty underneath guys that I kind of already talked about Isabella and some of these other guys, but um, you know, I'm with you. I don't know that they need this big freak receiver unless they, you know, move Marvin, but you know, a good blocking passing tight end or a, you know, over the top type receiver or, a, you know, there's not a shifty underneath guy to replace Golden Tate early. You'd have to wait, I think, to get one of those guys. Even Debo Samuel. I don't know if you watched him in the senior bowl, Grifka. This guy is electric. He was supposed to go in like the third round and now he's uh, he's moving his way up the board. But he'd be, again, a second round type guy I'd consider. But um, well, the later, the better. You can wait. So anyway, you're getting me on draft stuff. I could talk. Yeah, today. let's get off draft let's stuff this, before we let's do get this Patriots. <laughs> so, Grifka, the Lions on national TV, Sunday night football, welcoming in the Patriots, teacher versus student. Lions are zero two. Pats are one and one. Everybody coming in this game is like, oh man. This is gonna be a beat down. Patriots, you know, Lions are just lost right now. And before we get into the details, I mean, the overarching, I hate to, you know, kill the lead, but the Lions played one of their better football games I can remember in the past decade from top to bottom and uh, and just looked really good in this game. So before I throw it to you, I mean, let's just work our way through this game like I did sort of on our solo shows last week. I've got some notes here, but I've also just got a couple bulleted points. Um, so we'll kind of work our way through. I'll pitch it to you for some, some feedback. So the first little note I had was, man, the patch was three and out to start. I think anytime the Lions can defer the football and get a three and out, that really is big, especially when you're playing a guy like Tom Brady. That was a good sign. Who knew it goes so well, but that was just something good. I picked up right off the bat, three and out, get the football right back. Um, so this next one I want you to comment on. So, the Lions get the football. They start kind of moving the ball down the field or whatever. And they, <clears throat> I don't know if this was the next drive or maybe a couple drives later, but anyway, third and five, they throw a, a short ball to, to GT. He catches the ball. He kind of leans forward. He's right on the yellow line, which is a first down. Like we're in their territory. I want to say this was at like the 15, 20 yard line, something like that. Like we were, we were heading in for a score. Either they didn't measure at all or they they deemed us short and we just didn't even think about it. We run our field goal team out there like it was like fourth and in inches. Did you pick up on this and say, hey, that's a chance early in the game that we could have went for it. And instead, we fourth and 
it could have been more than a couple inches. We just run our field goal team off on the field. I was I was disappointed by that. Yeah, I was uh, disappointed as well. Uh, Agree that with was me? like one of those plays where you're wondering. It's like it's a third and five. You're, you're right. I, I I actually jotted down that same note, and they they threw short of the sticks. I mean, I, I don't know why Golden Tate. You know, it was one of those things. Either that's what they're called for. Is one of those things where he thought he'd be able to get the first down, and the defender made a nice tackle, dropping him short. But I, I couldn't understand why he you know, broke the route off, you know, that short. But no, you know, it wasn't the short. route. Maybe he like, thought he was there. They but put it then, on him, and he, he got forward to the sticks. I didn't have any problem with the throw, the catch, or the how he dove up field. I have a problem with, you know, it was so close. Did the refs not even measure? And then, you know, in a game like that, you know, why are we – all these other teams are going for it on fourth and one, fourth and two, three yard, and we're just – we can't get a couple inches? I mean, come on. Yeah, that was. I, I remember we talked about this really early, you know, during the preseason thing. That um, I we kind of both agreed that, you know, uh, Matt Patricia, you know, you know, you're you're the GM's boy. It's your it's your first year as a coach. You know, take some chances once in a while. And you know, I kind of thought the same thing. It's short, but you know, Matt Stafford can't fall forward for, you know, ha- you know, you know, a couple inches and get the first down, or, or you know, you, you signed. LeGarrette Blunt to be the big, you know, heavy back to get that short yardage. And I still feel that New England doesn't have that huge run stuffer in there like they had in past years, you know, like Vince Wolfolk and stuff like that. But I, I thought they could have got it, but he just, he kind of played it conservative and just, you know, took the three points and settled for the three points. And, and yeah, in hindsight, now we see how well the defense played and the game turned out, but you know, New England seems to be like one of those teams you, you can't match, you know, their touchdowns with just field goals. So I, I was I was disappointed in that as well. Yeah, man, I agree with you. So the next little thing I had written down, which, you know, sounds almost like a Grifkaism, I just wrote here, the Lions always get the worst refs. I mean, flags all over the field. We always get the annoying guys that, like, they can't wait to get on camera. This Cleek Blakeman, I mean, he's just, like, super annoying with how – precise he's trying to be with the calls and calling holding or these illegal contacts on every play like that just frustrated me right off the get-go I have here some sweet runs by number 33 I just think this was kind of the first sighting that we had of carry on like actually you know showing glimpses you know he had some start the game so I thought that was great to see so speak on that as well as this great throw catch and stretch as I call it by Kenny G for the first touchdown of the game carry on Johnson and then a great effort by Kenny Galladay to get in the end zone yeah for how uh, uh I carry on for how uh, quick he looks on that field he just you know just compared to LeGarrette Blunt LeGarrette Blunt looks slow and plotting Compared to what carry on, I jotted down one where uh, was it? Um, they ran a swing pass to uh, Johnson out in the backfield, and he was by the linebacker quickly. The guy was supposed to be covering him, and he and he kind of deked the defensive back, and you know went upfield. You know, had a nice gain, and on that, and he was just and I just jotted down. He's just like hard to defend. I mean, that's that's very hard to defend if he can consistently do that, considering the lines of often used Theo Riddick for that for years, and he kind of has the same skill set. But, you know, when Theo Riddick's in there, that's kind of what you're looking for for him to do that. But if they're able to do that with on Johnson, you know, on the field, that that's just that's very hard to defend for somebody who hits the hole quickly and especially coming out of the backfield. So that's he, he could be 
do a lot of damage for the Lions, you know, in the next few years. So, and then, um, you know, Galladay stretching for that touchdown, that, uh, that's just great body control out of him. I mean, I, I know you've been on this guy since they drafted him and I know you tease me like, you know, and say, you're like, Hey, wait until he does, you know, you know, I always wait a couple of years, but I mean, this guy's ahead of, ahead of my curve, you know, before, you know, like you said, you always tease me three years. You're right. It It is about that before I'm really going to start giving a guy credit. I want to make sure he established, he does stuff, but this guy's ahead of my curve. I mean, seeing him do stuff like that where, you know, the San Francisco game on that touchdown, that touchdown right there was where he's able to contort his body a certain way to uh, to be able to do that and score that touchdown. That, that he, he just impresses me, you know, more and more. You know, so I, I will give Matt props to you on that. Yeah, man, that was one of those plays where it was a great ball by Stafford, put it on him. Um, dangerous, but a great effort by Kenny to barely stretch it out before the ball came loose and a big touchdown to get on the board uh, early. I put here, man, I, I just thought Stafford was standing tall and throwing some rockets. I mean, it felt like protection was good. His mechanics, his feet were there. He was holding the ball with two hands, and then when he saw something open, he was letting it rip in this game, which is, you know, what we got to see for – 16-plus coming up in 2019. So third and three, a great little run by KJ for the first down. I think um, that was more like a a run where he made a couple quick cuts and and got up the field. But I I know the one you're talking about, too, on the pass where he caught out and then got got shifty a little bit and got up field. Um, Talk about this one, Griffka. 45 seconds left in the second quarter. It's third and one. The Patriots are driving, and everybody that's sitting at home, especially you, are going, here they come. They're going to score right before the half, and then we're we're done for. They try to run it off tackle right, and basically the whole Lions defense is there to meet them. Absolutely huge stuff. Makes it fourth and probably four or five yards. They end up kicking a field goal here late in the first half. What do you have to say about that one? Um, I, I saw this through the whole game, and we saw we – saw the run defense step up like this later in the year when they finally got snacks. But uh, as I was watching this game, I thought to myself, this had to be, you know, one of the most determined games I've seen the Lions playing in years. Like you said, it'd been a long time played this well. And I know me and you talk, you said, you know, they practice every week they prepare, but this, this seemed to be like one of the most determined games I've ever seen the Detroit Lions play. And it was plays like that, you know, where you're right. It was third and shorts. Like, and it seems like, you know, we watched the game, the Kansas City playoff game, where it was like the third and short where, um, you know, Sony Michelle busted off that run and, you know, off the end and went in for the touchdown late in the game. And Tony Romo called it. But it seemed like that's what they tried. It's like, okay, you got it clogged up the middle. We're going to run off to, you know, run outside a little bit to get it. And it's almost like Matt Patricia kind of knew that, you know, when and the defense was there and it was a great play. And they were kind of doing that all night on those short runs. You know, it'd be like 32, 33. And New England's going to, okay, we're just going to muscle you. We got this. And the Lions defense really stepped up and stopped them. It just, like I said, I thought it was like one of the most determined games offense-wise and defense-wise that they played in such a long time. And um, like like you had mentioned, Stafford, you know, look confident, stepping up, you know, making making the throws. And, uh, yeah, he, he did seem to have that swagger. And I think that was kind of one of that one thing that kind of, you know, you know, not to point out bad, but that interception he had on in the, in the first the first drive of the second half, where it's like he, he thought he could fit it in that window, and you know he was making all the throws, and he just uh, 
you know, in them. Oh like Chris Collinsworth said, if he puts a little air underneath it, you know, where it's probably not the interception. He probably just thought he could muscle it in there because he was having such a great game. He was, it was the sharpest game, obviously, you know, with the first three games. And um, he looked really, really good. But uh, he, he seemed to have that swagger in, in the game, you know, against the Patriots. All right, well, we'll hang in there with this, Griff, because you're getting ahead of us and the Kool-Aid drinkers. We're only at halftime here. It's 13-3 Lions. Oh, sorry. Um, after after this field goal, the Lions, uh, I put here, they dominated and played solid in all areas, which you just hit on. And then as you hit on, which I'll comment on, my next bullet I have written here was coming out of the half, Lions get the football, you know, I didn't notice it till the replay, but Matt Stafford has Wilson open up over the top, but instead he he tries to sort of throw his three-quarter seam ball, which he likes to do up the middle, and gets it picked off. This is a big play. This is just kind of like where people talk about his touch and his decision-making. Like He has to learn better of how, when to make what throws. I mean, a Tom Brady, a Drew Brees – you know, all these top quarterbacks, the Aaron Rodgers, they know good enough that all you got to do is put air under this football and get it up over and give your guy a chance. And it's either a touchdown or an incompletion, but you can't do what he did right here. So you've already, you've already hit on that. So um, the next thing I have is just, man, a perfect throw by TV 12 for the touchdown. This is going to make it, um, this is with 10 minutes left in the third quarter. This is going to bring the game to 13-10. Lions still in the lead. But again, Grifka's sitting in his squeaky rocking chair with his broken uh, coffee table. is sitting there shaking his head going, here we go, 13-10. You know, we played great. They're, everything's still rocking and rolling. But Tom Brady, with a nice little drive coming down the field, ends up uh, – putting a great ball on uh, James White, I believe. Diggs was in great coverage, but it didn't matter. This was a great touchdown. So next item I have for you, Grifka, good third down conversions on the next Lions drive. I thought they moved the football down the field. They probably had two or three first downs, third and shorts that they com- uh, converted on, which was awesome. And the next thing I know, a big T throw to Marvin Jones. Uh, I have here just a great throw by Matt Stafford. Not that it was the hardest throw because Marvin got open and they had the whole right side of the end zone, but where Stafford put it, the loft slash, you know, heat that he put on the football was perfect. And this was just a great touchdown throw. Uh, talk about that a little bit. As like you said, as we go back and watch these games, you watch kind of with a different eye. You know, you learn a few more things throughout the year after the year, kind of what, you know, Matt Patricia is trying to mold this team into. I think as I was watching that drive, you know, and what he's saying, how he wants to kind of be like the ball control, eat up a lot of clock. That drive kind of, I think, you know, pretty much, you know, typifies what he's looking to do for this offense. You know, control the clock. You know, they did. They had a lot of good runs on that play. That offensive line was just opening up some massive holes. You know, a couple nice third down conversions, like you mentioned. And then as the team's like, the defense is like starting to creep up, you know, to like stop the run since they're being successful with the run, that's where they pop it over the top. And Marvin Jones was, you know, open on a great throw. And, um, I think, you know, as I look at it now, I was watching him like, this is what he wants this offense to be. So if if the Lions can, can do that, great. And that's just if, 
that's what it's going to do because it keeps that offense, you know, that high-powered offense, you know, Patriots game off the field, and it just makes it a, a bigger hill for them guys to come back. Like you said, they had just drove the ball down the field, probably had a lot of confidence. You know, if it's one of those things like, oh, get us the ball back, we'll go do it again, and the Lions were able to chew up a lot of clock and go down and score. So uh, that that was that's a really nice thing, nice thing to see. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, so the Lions get a touchdown here. It makes it 23-10. I have here about 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Uh, an absolutely awesome Let's Go Lions chant by the fans. All I could think of was, man, if this team can get it together and turn Ford Field into an absolute snake pit, the people absolutely love this football being played by this team right now. It's getting rowdy. It was great to hear. I was thinking, man, playoff game, division title type game in Ford Field could be crazy. The next thing I have is an interception. Excuse me. Um, easy. Excuse me. Interception by your boy Big Play Slay. Seven minutes, 30 seconds, fourth quarter. Tom Brady probably getting a little bit um, frustrated, not being patient, throws a deep football. Slay had it played perfectly. Ball's a little underthrown. He just goes up. I, I put easy pick, and then they show the slow motion replay, and he's got the, the butter stick hands where he almost drops this ball, but he makes the play and gets upfield. So um, your boy, number 23, I thought that was a great play to pick it off, get the football back for the Lions. Um living up to the nickname on that one. Yeah, that's, uh, like you said, I think it was one of those things where Brady knew time was getting, you know, late, and they had to move the ball down the field, and he just tried to open it up, and, you know, Slay made a play. And, you know, I liked Darius Slay, so I was happy to see that. And I saw that same thing on the replay. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he almost dropped that. <laughs> but, you know, he was able to hold on for the pick, and, the Lions were able to, you know, chew up some more clock after that. And it's just, uh, you know, uh, you know, people, you know, still pick on Slay. But uh, I, I have friends who don't really like him say he gets burned way too much. But I still say he's high risk, high reward. So it's stuff like that. And he was able to come up with the uh, come up with a pick and uh, really uh, make it more and more difficult for New England to come back in that game. Oh, man, I thought Slay was great throughout this game. Uh, early in the season, man, he was playing some high-end football. They were trying to throw at him, and he had lots of great plays early. And then, as we know now, looking back on the season, you know, later in the year he had a couple things here or there. But, I mean, he's still one of the top overall football players that we have. Not only from, like, an attitude perspective, he seems to be supporting Matt Pat, but just – you know, he plays solid, and, and if he can get his hands on the football more, that's what we need. But he's uh, down at the Pro Bowl, so you got to love that. A um, couple more things, Griffka, and we'll finish up this rewind and get out of here. Um, I have here four minutes and 43 seconds left in the fourth quarter. 101 yards for carry on Johnson. The place goes crazy. I just remember that moment just thinking, thank goodness, and this guy is – uh, got some juice. Like you said, when he touches the football, it looks different. He's shifty. He's got speed. He can catch. Um, this was the first game. We're seeing those glimpses, and, man, it was good. So I've got a stat line here, 16 carries for 101, and his long was only 15. So he was kind of just – He's just chunking his way through 10 yards here, eight yards here, you know, 12 yards here type of thing. And uh, you got to love it. So that was a moment, wasn't it, for us Lions fans of just finally a 100-yard rusher. And, man, maybe we got something in this guy. Yeah, finally breaking that string, like you said, it seemed like every week, you know, 
the announcer would mention it. And uh, I, I, as of right now, I, you know, I can't you know praise carry on enough. Is he seems quick burst. He hits the hole hard. It seems like he's got good vision. It never seems like he, as of right now, it doesn't seem like that that guy's just like. Yeah, how'd you how'd you miss that hole? If you cut it back the other way, he seems he seems to be doing that. And he's not that. You see a lot of rookie running backs; they always seem to want to bounce it to the outside instantaneously because they were able to do that in college and just beat everybody with their speed. But he doesn't seem to be like that guy. He'll he'll kick it to the outside when when he needs to, but he's not instantaneously looking to bust it off the tackle or you know way out you know off you know outside the tight end. You know he seems like okay you know. You know, wait for the hole to punch open and then hit it, or it's like if it's there and he, he he hits it quickly. You know, so much quicker than what Blunt did this year. So, and he only bumps it to the outside when he needs to. So, you know, right now it seems like the future for is really really bright for this guy. Yep, I think you said it well there. I mean, um, what was fun too of going back in this game was like I'm seeing early in the season against a really good opponent when we weren't really playing that good heading in. Um, seeing a healthy Kenny, a healthy um, carry on, uh, a decently, you know, set offensive line and Matt Stafford playing a lot better football than he was towards the end of 2018 was fun to watch. It was kind of like, okay, we do have some playmakers like that Bob Quinn is looking for. And if he can add another couple, yeah, it, this could be a fun team to watch if they're slamming the football in the run game and then throwing you know, the way he was in this game, pretty consistent. I got here a, a 101.9 rating QBR for Matt Stafford, um, 262, two touchdowns. I mean, you got to love that. It's crazy. Tom Brady, 65.1. He threw for 133 and one TD and a pick in this game. That's just craziness. So a um, couple more quick things. Uh, lots of offensive holding by the Lions I have here. Again, stupid refs, but also our offensive line just kind of, you know, bringing back plays and just hurting us with some of these holding calls. 26 to 10, two minutes left. Uh, just loving what I'm seeing here from our team. And then I have here, speak to this, man. 25 seconds left in the game. It's 26 to 10. And your boy, Chris Collinsworth, is sitting there talking about, oh, man, you know, um, if anybody could do it, the Patriots could do it. I mean, if they get a score and a two-point, they can get the onside kick, and you just never know. Really, 25 seconds left. They're going to get a score, and they're at midfield, by the way. Like, that was just absolute garbage. I mean, yeah, I can see trying to keep your audience, but come on, this football game's over, you dumb idiot. Yeah, you could even tell, like, even uh, even the Patriots knew it kind of at that point. They were, you know, there was like, oh, it's a short game. We're slow up to the line, and guys were really hustling back. They were just more interested in getting the locker room, you know, at that point. You know, shake right. a few hands, say good game. You know, how's the wife and kids, and then you know, make their way to the locker room. But yeah, it was like one of those things where if anybody can do it, yeah, you might be able to do that in like Madden '92, but you know, you're not going right. to do it now. Come on, right? Anybody that can count knows that hey, you're down 16, and there's 20 seconds left. Yeah, I don't think they're going to come back. They're Collinsworth, and we played so well throughout the game. Like maybe you could have said that early in the second half. Like, oh, you know, the Patriots and oh, the Lions history. Yeah, maybe you can play into that but don't try to play into that stuff with less than 30 seconds left midfield down 16. That was just stupid by him. I thought, I mean, Hey Collinsworth, go check pro football focus and see how many teams have won down 16 with 25 seconds. There he is stat nerd. Um, all right. So last thing I have here, a real brief hug from double B and Matt Pat. I felt like double B, you know, just does that 
even though Matt Pat wanted to sort of respect more and have more of a moment there at midfield, you know, Billy Belichick was just like quick handshake, just stormed off to the locker room. Like, you know, in the words of Griff, cause someone had just punched him in the face and took his candy. So I thought that was interesting. <laughs> and, uh, I just have here in big bowl letters, man, solid, solid, solid play by our lions and a great win for them. Yeah. Um, I, I think Belichick's one of those guys, no, no matter what, like even win or loss after the field, you know, like that, if a former coach, you know, we, uh, you know, since uh, I think he, I think he liked Matt Patricia. Um, you know, we know how he felt about Eric Mangini. So I think, I think he's just that type of guy. He's not going to show him the love on the field, like hug it out. Hey, go have a great season. He's that type of guy that's just going to like, you know, give a quick handshake, pat on the back and just walk off the field, win or lose. And then maybe like at, you know, league meetings or something like that, or afterwards, you know, later in the week, you know, chatted up with him on the phone. He, he seems like that type of coach. So, no matter what, you know, win or lose, he he's going to have like that steely cold thing. Like, look how focused he is on this game. He's going to get this team back. I I think part of that's maybe a little bit for show. I, I mean, I I'm not, I don't know the guy personally, obviously, but from you know what I you know what you're reading, he he likes Matt Patricia. He thinks he's a good coach. So I, I think maybe later on he chatted up with him a little more. You know, told him good game. But I think that was more like for the cameras to show like. You know, he's like a steely cold guy that everybody thinks he is. I think it's, some of that's kind of a facade that he kind of keeps up. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think there was a report that he went in the locker room and congratulated him. And I know this was a fun one. Not only for – it's crazy to have Matt Pat's first win against the Patriots in our house um, after everybody was so down on him. I remember just the sky was falling, sports radio was going nuts, and then he just they play a phenomenal game like this. So – I think we've hit on it all, Grifka. I, I guess we talked it through. I just got two quick ones for you. So do you think that we beat the Patriots in this game just because Matt Pat had been there so long and absolutely knew, you know, how to just beat this team? Or do you think uh, everything kind of came together for, you know, offense, defense, or was this more he schemed it out? And because of his history, I mean, if he was playing another team in this ball game, it might have went differently. But because it was the Pats, he really had his finger on him, which going into the game, everybody thought it would be the other way. Like, oh, you know, uh, Bill Belichick, just all he does is win. And, you know, he always beats the Lions, but it actually was the other way. Like, Matt Pat knew the Patriots so well that he, you know, they he just guarded it up and, and dealt them a hand they couldn't deal with. So you think that as well? I, I think that was a big point of the game. Um, that he knew what kind of like their weak was, weaknesses are, what their strengths are, what they, you know, every team still has tendencies and, you know, you know what to run on offense, what to do on defense. So he was there. I think he was a big part of, you know, the scheme offense-wise. Like, this is what the defense can do. This is what these guys can do, what they can do. Even though you can study hours and hours of tape, you know, good coaches know like, okay, this is this guy's weakness. We're going to do this so it doesn't really show up, you know, and this is how that'll happen. And he knew like, you know, this guy doesn't do this well, this, that, you know, and he was able to help scheme that. I think that was really, really big part of it, which allowed him to do that. And I think, you know, um, I mean, we get to this game later and we can talk about it then, but it kind of worked the same way with Miami. Um, you know, not so much the jets or Buffalo, but, uh, I think kind of the same way with Miami as well. But I think a big part was he was there for so long. He he, he just knew what that team could and couldn't do and kind of knew what to uh, do to stop them and take advantage of their weaknesses. 
Yeah, I'm there with you. I think, uh, you know, he really did have his hand on the pulse of, hey, guard up Gronk, you know, deal with everything else and uh, try to fluster Tom Brady a little bit, which he was able to do. Not so much with a bunch of sacks, but just kind of got him off his spot and didn't let him get comfortable. So I think that was definitely a Matt Pat uh, knowing the insides and knowing how to get after this team. Um, Last little thing I have for you is like me and you went back and forth about the GT trade and what he meant to the team and his value and all that good stuff. But, um, you know, I have a note here. I felt like Golden Tate on tape when you go back and watch these games. I mean, he was making a big difference early on in the season. Stafford really seemed to lean on him. That's where a lot of his big plays were happening, you know, chain movers. You think Golden Tate even in this game had a a big catch, kind of led us in receiving again um, for the most part. So, you know, looking back at a game like this, third game of the year, you know, where are you at with hindsight, being able to see everything as far as what his value was to the team, where he was at in his career, and, you know, now with him not being here anymore, you know, are they going to be able to sort of come back from that? Do you need to wait and see the draft pick? Like, where are you at? Because he did jump off the screen these first few games of making plays. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it was he was just – him and Matt Stafford just were really comfortable together. And uh, he, you know, knew what to – due to get open for Stafford. Stafford was kind of looking for him. He was this uh, security blanket. He, he knew what to do. Um, and like I said, in hindsight, you know, where, you know, where they ended up, you know, obviously I think not having their costume some games, you know, at least Stafford's conf- confidence, you know, later in the year. But I have this one friend who was always like, you know, they weren't going to do anything with him anyways. You know, he, he was always kind of like, you know, like you do, you kind of point out their stats, you know, and he was like, he, he does the same thing there. You know, they weren't winning with him. You know, it's, the trade's fine. You know, we'll see what they get, you know, in the third rounder. So, yeah, maybe you're right. The team, you know, ultimately wasn't good enough. And But it's still one of those things where if, uh, you know, maybe he's around later, you know, the you know Stafford doesn't have as many issues throwing, especially with all the injuries they had later in the year and the guys they had on there. But, uh you know, early on, definitely, he just, you know, I think him and Stafford had this connection. They just kind of knew each other, and they knew they where they'd be, and, you know, knew what to do. And, you know, and just later on in the year when he was gone, it, uh, it obviously wasn't there with, uh, with the replacements. Yeah, um, I guess where I sit on it is, like, so I go back and look at it now, and, you know, uh, the first part of me is kind of like, oh man, you know, um, he really was not only spark plug underneath, but his big playability here in the first few weeks of the year was showing up. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about the Cowboys game kind of later this week. And uh, he jumps off the page in that game and has an absolutely huge game. So, you know, part of me at first is like, oh man, maybe he would have made a difference in you. Maybe we've been a good pl-. But then I put my like GM slash business side of the game on and say, no, like no matter if he gets another thousand yard season and has his what you know, probably averages, you know, three to six touchdowns a year, depending on what year it is, you know, maybe has a big year here or there, but nothing crazy in regards to touchdowns. So I I just still support the move, even though he's jumping off the page early here in the season. When I look back, it's kind of like, you know, you can find other receivers that can catch balls underneath and that can have some of that shiftiness, you know, and just for the price tag, it was just going to get out of hand. I mean, wait till we pick a, another receiver that's good and that makes 500000 bucks rather than $15 million or whatever Golden Tate's going to get on this crazy open market. So 
my brain was saying, wow, look at this guy. Or my eyes were saying, look at this guy. He's making great plays. He was a, he was a great receiver for our quarterback. And then everything else tells me, Hey, I think this will work out better for the team in the long run. So I was just curious what you thought looking back. So that's all I got, man. I thought this was a great rewind, a great game to look back on lions beating up on the Patriots at home, giving their team some life. And we know that the next few games, they go on kind of a run and get themselves back to a good standing kind of in that first quarter, quarter and a half of the season. So it was a fun one to watch, man. Yeah, it was uh, very refreshing to watch this after uh, watching uh, some of the uh, other games. And uh, this one that was one of the more enjoyable games to go through and uh, rewind and, and, and watch. That's what I'm saying, man. Kool-Aid drinkers go out there and, and – uh find a way to watch this, pull it up on YouTube, whatever you got to do. You watch games like this and some other games we'll talk about. Uh, get your juices flowing again. This team's got some talent. You know, they've schemed up a better defense as we move on in the year. It's something to be excited about. So, Grifka, let's go ahead and get out of here. No questions, nothing else this week. I, I do want everybody to be on the lookout. I screwed up last weekend. I didn't give you that Senior Bowl draft-type podcast. I'm definitely going to come through um, – with that here soon i'm hoping to do it this next weekend coming up so be on the lookout for that promise i'll get that out and also anybody that wants to send me questions about the draft or about guys they saw in the senior bowl you can send those on twitter at detroit underscore kool-aid or you can email us at det kool-aid at gmail.com so please uh, reach out to us we love answering the uh, question questions from the kool-aid drinkers and i love talking draft as we saw early in this episode so this is about that time grifka where i say you got anything else for the people uh no not not today all right perfect so everybody thank you so much for listening we love all the support and stuff we're getting for the detroit kool-aid cast it means the world to me and grifka so please uh keep that up share this with a friend and uh come and check us later this week we'll be um, doing some Kool-Aid rewind against the Cowboys. So look forward to that. So for me and for Grifka, we're going to get up out of here. Everybody take care. Detroit Kool-Aid cast, we're out. Pack the bag, start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.